Advice from a dipshit. Advice from a dipshit. Advice from a dipshit. It's advice from a dipshit with Matt Bronger. This is advice from a dipshit with Matt Bronger. I don't know why they need to act like a, a morning radio DJ every time a mic's in front of me, and I, you know that's that's something I, anyone who's ever done a podcast wrestles with, or maybe just me after two and a half years of, of doing mine. But this is the newest incarnation and the last. Like I've said, this podcast doesn't work out. I don't think I'm doing it anymore. <laughs> this this is like the most the most fun I've ever had, and and the most uh, the most meaningful. So on today, this day of voting. And I'm just going to knock on all the wood that uh, things worked out for the best, for all the right reasons. Uh, we've got my buddy Guy Branham on. Good to be here. And Matt, would you like to know why I think you go into radio DJ voice? Yes, why? Because you're a professional. Ah. And when you show up somewhere, you show up to do it and do it right and give people <laughs> what they need. Are you going to screw around with the format? Possibly. But will it always be with love and respect? Yes. And that's what separates you from the dick bags or the assholes or the people who just aren't going to try if you want them to try. Well, you just made my life, man. I appreciate you saying that. Um, I read your book, uh, My Life as a Goddess. And I was, I was not surprised how funny it was. I was not surprised how insightful it was. But I was, it, it, I was surprised by how how uh, multi layered and textured it was. Like I loved your writing. That's very sweet. It, That's it, very kind. It was it. You you folks uh, listening, um, fellow uh, dipshits, uh, should check it out because entirely new perspective in any book I've ever read, and and really well put and well explored. Well, I have to ask you, as someone who has been cornered by me at a party when I'm sweaty from dancing sure. and been yelled at about something that I have opinions about. Yes. I really wanted the book to capture that experience. Mm. And do you think it it really got that level of drunken humidity? <laughs> I think in moments, but I don't yeah. think it had, you know, because it's like, I love you and we've been friends a while and, I, and that always kind of, you know, you've, you've always been such a stitch to me. You, I've always found you so funny. And so even in those moments where... And there are times I'd corner you drunkenly. Yes, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Absolutely, and, and make proclamations in your ear. <laughs> I feel like us, us, us big people often yes. do that. We'll bounce off each other like mammoths and go, here's what's what. Well, also... Like big guys who have gotten to a point in our lives where a lot of people have are no longer drink because it made too much trouble, right? But who still drink because right. we still get to hit that trouble cap. Oh yeah, totally. It's it's funny <laughs> lately. Like like right now, I'm I'm taking a little between you and me, yes. and uh, and the world. I'm just taking like a, a little break here, just taking some time off from drinking because. Nothing happened, you know, mm -hmm. no no big incident. I didn't throw up on myself or embarrass myself or anything. I just realized when I'm on the road, I've just been self-medicating. I've yeah. just been sucking down beers for no reason where it's just like this is – and I had this kind of moment where I was intoxicated and was like, you know, this isn't even fun for me right now. Yeah. I got to just uh, reel it in. So I don't even know. I'm not doing like sober November or anything like that. I'm just like, yeah, just going to not – you know, I'll probably still smoke weed sometimes here and there, but just like, you know what, just give it a rest for a second and, and get into like why 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 I'm numb myself. And it's like, look, part of it is probably not even me. We in a time of a level of anxiety. Yeah. And I was saying this to my wife a couple of days ago, that I would have a couple of years ago th thought would have thought unbearable. Yeah. And so I gave a lot of people, well, everybody who's alive on this planet right now a lot of credit for just hanging in there and yeah. not 
getting drunk and crashing a car or like, <laughs> you know, uh, shooting something up in your arm that you know will numb you. And, and cause it's like, I, I feel like all these substances, alcohol especially is an anesthetic and it numbs you and it makes you just take a break from the world. So I, I, <laughs> I know I was not reacting to things well. You know? Yeah. I mean, I have, it's been hard to accept that part of the reason I have been a little bit depressed for the past two years is just like the world. Like yes. I have been in a less good place right. because of the world. But I also imagine you're in a different situation than most people who have been married for a year or a couple of years <laughs> in that like, you know, like when you go off to do a club, yeah. uh, it is a weekend away. And so you don't have like your normal social dynamic and the yes. person that you're there with. Yes. And it's also a little bit of like, haha, I'm on my own, but you're doing that like 16 times a year. Or right. something. <laughs> no. And it's also like a big part of it is just like, you feel a level of loneliness as you get older. Mm -hmm. If I'm honest that like, you know, I miss my wife, but I also kind of like, you stare off into the distance of your future. I think once you hit 40, a lot more uh, severely and yeah. like unnecessarily. It's so stupid. It's almost like how I, I used to have this level of kind of like unnecessary nostalgia about uh -huh. my childhood and about like high school and things. And it's just like, you're doing that to yourself, man. Yes. Like, no, you're, you're going to be fine. Stop, you know, wondering so much and, and resenting the fact that you're here or you're there or you're not where you want to be or, or whatever. You I know? do really love the Portland of your childhood that you paint, though, because yes. anytime I have to think about what Portland, I was watching something recently that took place in the 80s and they referenced Portland or somebody mm. was like born in the Portland then and I was just sort of like, yes, it is like from Matt Bronger's album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, look, a lot of it was great, but I was also in a bit of, you know, the term bubbles overused. I would, yeah. use, I would use the term like... Uh, uh, cocoon because I'm all my mother and father's friends were very progressive and I grew up with every kind of person as far as you could in Portland as yeah. white as it as it is but it, it so I, I was very spoiled in a, in a lot of ways but it I at the same time you still had douchebags you still had assholes you still had uh rapey frat types and shit like there was that never goes away and that was it was not it, it was never that thing you know I don't feel like the beat generation were ever like hey it's us the beat generation. Right. Look at yes. what we're doing. But it's like your, your, your scene is probably better than you think it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so like looking back, we're like, yeah, we should have kind of looked around and going, hey, this is all right. This is kind of cool. Yeah. And, you know, but we did have this situation. And as the last thing I say, I'll say before we go to the calls, but like when I was in high school, you had this influx of skinheads and, and gang members and stuff. And it was just kind of this. <laughs> this this alien uh, atmosphere of anxiety that I would kind of compare to this, where you're kind of like, wait, wait, what are these people Sig Heiling doing yeah. in Pioneer Square? Like, what? Are, <laughs> what's, what's what? This is not Portland, but it was just kind of my ignorance to the amount of people around me who really, really wanted to find. I mean, really, what it comes down to is you join a gang for identity, you join a gang for community, and a lot of these people felt so disenfranchised and maybe didn't have a good home life, and they're just like, no, no, my the Nazis, that's my family. And it's like, that's how they <laughs> wow. get you. So, yeah. Yeah, that goes out to all those people out there who think Trump's your friend. He's not. <laughs> Let's take the first call. Uh, this worked out great. Okay, good. First call. Hey, Matt. Uh, my name's Evan. I'm 22 years old, and I'm from Oregon. Um, so when I was 18, I graduated high school, went straight to college, just absolutely hated it, uh, dropped out, came back, and got into a new degree. Um, I went to a trade school, 
for welding fabrication. And right now, as a 22-year-old, I'm using that degree before I've even achieved it. Um, I work for a construction company. It keeps me on the road a lot. And then on top of that, I'm creating a, uh, like, you could call it a business. I don't know. I make these little statues and, like, art decor for people. And it brings in a little bit of cash flow. And, like, I'm really proud and happy of it. And uh, as a young guy who's on the road a lot, you know, like four out of seven days of the week, you know, I'm not even this town. Um, I feel kind of distant and separated from my friends. And uh, I just kind of was wondering when you were at this age and you were always traveling around grinding and trying to like develop that life that you now have in comedy. Um, how did you, uh, how'd you kind of balance that all out with your friends or, you know, and, yeah, that's just all I'm trying to ask. Have a great day. Bye. Thanks for calling, man. Uh, wow. God, I, I'm I'm so impressed by the amount of people in their early 20s who sound like they have their lives yeah. far more together than I ever will. Yeah. Like, he, that guy sounded like he probably writes great folk songs and amazing <laughs> short stories. Um, was his name Ned? Is that what he said? Um, sorry. It was Evan? Evan. Where did I get Ned? I'm, yeah, just a, yeah. Probably just a calm, nice name. Evan's such a nice name. But how, how perfect after you just had your little... Yeah, that was amazing. We gave it the perfect accidental intro. Yeah. I, just real quick, and then I'll then I'll throw it a guy. I think it's it's important, A, keep in touch with your friends. Let them know you care about them. Let them know, them know the relationship is, is still there. But understand, man, they're proud of you. God, you've done so much. And I feel like I, I've always said... Even when, even when I left college or when I left Chicago to come to go to LA, I felt like I'm not necessarily. I mean, I am going for myself for my career, but it's like the way I look at it, I'm expanding the empire, and the empire is is like my circle of friends and people who try to stay open minded is the people that I love so much do. So just look at it that way. You're you're gonna have times apart, and man, falling into the trap of staying in your hometown and getting drunk every night and getting high every night with your friends. It's a blast. I did it. Every time I come back from college during the summer and during the Christmas time, I would just go back and, and just get faded with my friends all the time. We really didn't do anything else. And it's like, I look back on it. It's like, that was so fun. But so like there's, you're, you're, you're doing cool things. And, uh, I think you'd be surprised how much your friends believe in you. It's just the big thing by yourself when you're by yourself. And it's funny. I talked about this before. Just don't don't drive yourself fucking crazy. <laughs> if you find yourself going to like a pit of sadness or FOMO is a big one, just laugh at yourself a little bit and then maybe go give yourself a little treat, go see a movie, whatever, uh, go to yoga. That's my advice to you. Guy, take it. Um, I, I love this question because like, I, I like that he's doing something that is practical and something that he loves at the same time, which I think is really important. So frequently when you're 22, you can end up in something that seems like a nice steady gig and welding, like being a train, like having a trained skill in the, in the construction trades is like so great. You make really good money more than reality show producers do, you know, more than a fucking professor does. <laughs> like it's really exciting. And he's like doing something that's like creative and is like a future. And that's really awesome. But that question of what do I do? 
like, how do I have the social life that I need? The frequency with which I do conceive of my life is just being a game of The Sims and sort of go like, I will do that. It will make my social bar go up. It's like significant. And the thing about construction, especially construction where you have to travel, is that like you're working long days. You're working hard days. Like when I was having to work construction around the same age, I was making so much money and I – it was a job that was two hours away from my parents' hometown. This was like summer during college. Mm-hmm. And I like had to wake up at 4.30 and then get home at like 5.30. And I literally just had enough energy to shower, eat dinner, and then fall asleep. Wow. I would watch two episodes of Welcome Back, Cotter on TV Land. <laughs> and then <laughs> just like I love that. pass out. And I do think the thing is, is like you're making so much more money than your friends who are working as baristas and stuff that it's important to be able to say, hey, I get some time. I get to go and do some things like I get to just like spend a couple of weeks hanging out. And I realize it's it's probably hard. Like it's weird because construction is a little bit gig like in the nature of our work. Oh, yeah. Where you're working on a job for like five months, six months, and then it's like, where's the next one? But I think we have a stronger sense of hiatus and a stronger sense of like, and now I don't work for two months or whatever. Yeah. Uh, And I think doing stuff in the places where you're working is, is cool and all of that, but you're so allowed to take three weeks and like just hang out and lead the best possible life in wherever in Oregon you are Mm -hmm. and then get back on that horse. Yeah. Well said. You you absolutely nailed it. I, I love that you compare it to like a, a gig, like working on a movie or uh, getting a writing gig. You know, yeah. being being staffed. And you just you know we were just talking before we started recording about the joys of Palm Springs. You know, fuck, go out to Bend, man. Go ski. <laughs> There's all kinds of stuff. Go to go to the go to the go to. Uh, the As- Oregon Shakespeare Festival. Yeah, oh, in fucking Ashland. Ashland is amazing. Ashland is such a beautiful town. Yeah, so thanks for calling in, Evan. Uh, congrats on having things so together. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Hey, Matt. Um, I got a question for you, and it has to do with um, success. Um, oh, no. Here's my question. I am um, an aspiring author, and... About two years ago, after about five solid years of effort, I was able to get an agent. And it was an enormous get for me. It was a dream come true. And it felt like the um, the culmination of everything I've been working for was just around the corner. And since then, I've had a series of near misses, each one nearer than the last. So, for example, uh, the first book we submitted didn't really get much notice. Uh, we sent out a se- second book. And a publisher loved it so much, she took it to the board of acquisitions, and they turned it down there. And then in my latest book, a different editor liked it so much that uh, she told me she definitely wanted to publish it, just had a couple notes. And that led to six months of constant revision and second guessing. And then after six months, she just changed her mind and dropped it. And uh, so I feel like I keep getting closer and closer to having my dream come true. And it just isn't happening. And I guess I wonder what, what you thought about that. What do you think about – does it make sense if I tell you that it's harder to be nearly successful than it is to be just starting out and not close? I don't know. I just feel my confidence has been shaking more um, recently than it was when I was first starting out. And I guess I just want to get your thoughts on that. Thank you. Um, love your show. Talk to you soon. 
Thanks for calling, man. Guy, you can take the the first one on this. Well, I would be very interested to hear your perspective on it because I, yeah. I feel like we're probably going to have the same answer I'm coming sure. from somewhat different uh, sure. career perspectives, which is how you get towards success is a constant, like it's a set of near misses to the point that when something does happen, you're going to conceive of it as a failure, even though it is something, and you'll be able to take for granted the kind of successes that have been new for you all along. When you think about something, I was specifically thinking, because earlier today, I tried to Google uh, USA's Up All Night with Rhonda Shear, and instead it took me to Up All Night, the (laughs) NBC sitcom uh, on which you were regular. So think about that. This is me talking about your life in ways that we have never talked about, but (laughs) getting going to the audition, getting the call back. Right. You get the call back, they like you, they want you to test. You get a pilot, you got a pilot, you got a pilot. And then like at all of these stages, it can fall apart. Most pilots <laughs> don't go. Like yeah. most things that like get on the air do, don't last for an entire season. Most things that last for an entire season don't go to a second season. And like it's still this thing that was like such a series of successes as so many things in your career have been fundamentally at the end of the day ended in and now the show isn't around anymore anymore like my my talk show talk show the game show uh died after two seasons um and like it's great that i got to do it and i realize it's easier to say that once you've had a tv show than not but the thing is is like it's easier for you to say near success is harder than just struggling than somebody who doesn't have a book agent you know and like the in in the writing process the number of times that i've had things that like seemed so exciting and then just turned into a year of revisions and a year of people changing their minds um is hard and i get so used to that that now it's hard for me to realize like no like things have gotten easier guy like things things have gotten better um and, and that's just the way of things. I think one important thing, I always I always have a bottle of Veuve Clicquot in my refrigerator <laughs> for good news because I think it's too easy to be like more focused on the work or the annoyance yeah. or saying this mm-hmm. isn't concretely the good news. And like when something comes and it is a new job or whatever, like that bottle of Veuve Clicquot and I have an evening. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you said every everything I was thinking. The only thing I would add is, look, man, you had people fighting for your work. You're obviously good. You know how many books those people read? Yeah. So many. Who? who that's why the stereotype of the boring, typical, straight white dude is his dream is to write the great American novel. <laughs> like, that's in every movie in the 70s and 80s because it's typical. The amount of people that actually write books is probably... It's it's in the it's in the thousands a month. So it's like, look, I don't know if you'll ever be published, but I know you shouldn't stop. Like, what else are you gonna do? Because as soon as you stop, you're always gonna have that that voice in your head that's like, fuck, why didn't I? Uh, I didn't, because I just it felt you know it, it. Look, it always feels good to give up in the moment, but yeah. you're paying the price for the rest of your life. And and mm. and it's that thing where where I you, you nailed it, guy. I've been I've been so close so many times. I've been that guy that it's like it's down to you and this guy, and it's been the other guy uh, about every time, and it, and it always is. Or you go in, but also you're somebody who's on TV a lot. Well, you know, here and there. Thank you. No, I appreciate. It. But I, 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 I just had something recently where I, this thing came in front of me that I was like, "It's the dumb brother 
of a, an older comedian who I kind of look like. I'm not going to say who it is or anything, but I was like, can I just fucking have this? Can we just have this be an offer? And, but I went to my acting coach and I paid my acting coach and I worked, I worked on it a lot. And I went in and I, I, I felt like I rushed the audition a little bit. And I did that thing where you're like, can I just call an audible? Can I do this over? And they're like, sure. And, I, and in the second time I felt like I nailed it. And I was like, I did everything right. And I didn't even get to test. Like they called and they were like, we just don't see Matt as his brother. Mm-hmm. And here's the wild thing. I was in uh, Wisconsin over the weekend. I found out. I didn't throw a fit, but I was like, what the fuck? I was like, can we follow up? What the shit? Yeah. And then, but then um, my my uh, my wife was on a plane with that actor, sitting next to that actor. And no shit. No shit. And was like, and she's like, she got off the plane and she texted me. She's like, I can kind of see how you wouldn't be his brother, honestly. And I was like, you know what? Okay. And I hadn't seen him in a while and I saw him and I was like, I think we could be related. Brothers is probably too much. So it's that thing where it's like, it, sometimes it just doesn't, maybe those books, it's just like, we're not looking for this right now, but we love it. I had a book of short stories because I was just so fucking floaty uh, for the year and two years ago. I was like, I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing. What's the point of anything? But I would just write these little like funny or scary or weird stories uh, one I based on a time I found myself in a leather bar in Palm Springs at two thirty in the morning with a bunch of friends. And me being who I, I am, that. me being who I am, I was fucked up. I kept asking everyone if it was okay that I was there. Like, what's more annoying? Just shut up and pretend like you're watching everyone make out, dickhead. So like, I wrote a thing about that, but it was just like it was fuel. And my uh, my lit agent took that everywhere. And my feedback was, we really love the writing, but I just don't know how to sell this. Because he's not known as an author and, you know, it's not about his life. So it was like, anyway, it sucks. And it does, it does in a, in a way hurt more than actual failure when you come that close and you don't get it and you feel like, what's the point? But just keep on pushing. I feel like stand-up being, your first two to three years of stand-up is just constant failures that are also <laughs> right. wonderful. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, and I think that was helpful to me. But I also think, I, like, I, I have not been able to crack the way that, like, auditioning is this thing that like you have to go and try real hard every time yep. and get slapped down 95% of oh. the time yeah, it, Jason, and just keep going. Jason Bateman said it, he was on uh, some interview and he said it best where he's like, you're supposed to go in there, act like it's not important to you at all, nail the part and kind of just breeze out. And he's like, I could never, I was never good at that. Yeah. And there's some people that are just, they just are amazing at audition. We had Andrew Santino on a couple weeks ago and I feel like he is great at auditions. Yeah. He Probably. books all the time and he's just yeah. got that kind of normal kind of confidence uh, in the room that like I'll have some of, but like I'm better than I was, but it's just, it's so fucking weird. <laughs> but thanks for calling, man. And, and uh, uh, keep on pushing. Hi, Matt. I'm looking for some uh, romantic-ish advice. I have had feelings for a good friend of mine for a long time, like years. We've been co-workers for a while, and we actually just moved in together as roommates. More for financial reasons. Uh, I don't have a grand master plan or anything. Um, And I'm torn because part of me wants to tell her how I feel, understanding that I could irrevocably damage everything. Um, But the other thing I'm trying to do is I'm just trying to work through them and kind of get past them. Uh, We we 
both have baggage. Um, I've been divorced twice. She has her own issues. And I, um, I just don't know what to do. I'm, I'm a kind of an impasse and I could really use the advice of someone who is, who has no idea who I am other than a phone call. Um, love the show. It's great. You're great. Uh, thanks for, thanks for taking a chance on listening to this. Thanks. Have a good day. Thank you, man. I mean, that's, this is why I, I, I tell everybody to go to therapy, you know, because it's just, it's good to have someone to, you know, look, this is not a clinical show. Thank fucking God. I can't imagine. I would hate to be Dr. Drew. That guy's in great shape, but like, you know. Those I, arms. Yeah, he has thick ass arms. <laughs> I remember saying that. I went on, when I was on Mad TV, me and Arden Marine went, it went on the show, and I just kept going like, take his shirt off. <laughs> no, you look really good. We should have him on the show with his shirt off. And he was like laughing, but you could tell part of him was like a little bit like, yes. I kind of like that. But um, <laughs> I, because you have someone you can literally say anything to. That's my point of therapy. But with this, is nice. it's nice that I can't, I'll never know who you are. That's a really tough one, but I would just say, man, if you're having those feelings and they, y- y- you don't sound uh, like you have bad intentions at all, I think maybe just be honest with her. Because the more you suppress a feeling, I feel like the stronger it gets. And mm-hmm. it's just because that's effort. And effort leads to strengthening whatever the thing is. You know, like you go to the gym a lot. You're going to get big muscles. You look at porn a lot. You're going to want to look at porn all the time. You're going <laughs> to think life is porn. Uh, everything, everything you practice gets stronger. So the more you suppress, the more... It- it's going to be, it's just going to grow. You're just feeding that animal. I think if you actually have, and it sounds like you have real feelings for this person. It's not like, you're not calling and going, hey man, my friend's hot. Should I hit? <laughs> you're not doing that. Uh, so it's like, I would just pick a time to have a conversation with her and tell her. And yeah, it could completely fuck the friendship up, but maybe that's what needs to happen if you have those feelings. Well, I mean, the living together thing is what makes it much harder yes. because like there aren't the safe boundaries there mm-hmm. and you have to accept that once you've sort of like I do think you have to say something about it because you can't repress something away I learned that the hard way <laughs> like you you have to understand that like you are you always just moved she just moved in somewhere with somebody who's like her good friend yeah and she's also a man to help us out but like okay. she's She's a woman, so do you think that she has probably smelled this a little bit? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she's probably smelled this a little bit. It's not like going to be a huge surprise to her, but I mean, if you tell her this, like throughout the entire thing, you're going to need to respect boundaries. Yeah. Like starting dating someone when you live in the same apartment with them is going to be a weird thing, and if she says you know, I love you so much as a friend, but this isn't the way I see you. You, Again, you're really going to have to respect boundaries. I have to admit, though, I have uh, done the thing where I lived with a guy and then we... And then we fell for each other. Oh, really? That has happened to me. Yeah. Wow, cool. Yeah. That were, was my last relationship. Were you living in a 1990s sitcom? I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was one of those, you know, like hard on my luck a little. And he had an extra room and bathroom. And yeah, I kind of knew that he had a thing for me, but I trusted him and believed that he had control over it. And then as like time went on. Like I went from being in the extra bedroom to like being in his bedroom. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I remember uh, so. I, I had a oh I still have this. He's still a, a very close friend, and he does <laughs> he doesn't do drugs anymore. But 
we were supposed to, I remember we were supposed to hang out this one Saturday. And I, I'm that person that's just like, oh boy. And I look forward to it, like hanging out with any of my friends. And he wouldn't return any of my texts. And I texted him probably like dozens of times. And I finally went out and did something else with my evening. And part of me was like, like, is he dead? Because he doesn't see, he's not that kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, he occasionally would mess with Coke, but like in terms of drinking, he'd have like, he's that guy that had like one beer and that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, that rare species. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he, he got a hold of me two days later and he told me that this girl that moved in with him as a roommate brought like a little bag. And they spent the weekend doing coke and like occasionally hooking up. And I'm like, oh, and either he or she moved out within like days. But like when he told me that story, I was like, oh, I got this like this awful, like itchy feeling like, oh, man, I feel so gross right now. Like, and and so glad that didn't happen to me. (laughs) Way to just ruin everything, you know. Let's focus on the good side, though. If things work out, love can get you a home office. There you go. You know, you open up that That second bedroom. That is true. That is true. Space is is paramount, and that's a a good way. That's how I want to, when a, um, Kyle and Emily Maya Mills were dating, mm-hmm. and he was like, I don't know, we're talking about moving in together. I'm just like, yeah, think of all the fucking space you'll have and the money you'll save. And he was like, yeah. okay, and they moved in. And it didn't work out after a couple of years, but like, it is that thing where I waited so long to live with anyone I was dating. Uh, I was just always scared. Fucking scared. Okay. And I feel like it's just it's just better. Life is better if you just take those chances. But look at your home now. Also, I would say that your home is a beautiful tribute to all that is best in heterosexuality. <laughs> like <laughs> bar cart. But also family photos. <laughs> Thanks. Man. It's a good bar cart. <laughs> Thank you. I, I bought that off a couple on uh, on a he, uh, Craigslist who told me that they have a toddler uh, and he would just he would just grab it and push it and all the oh. bottles would fall. Oh, oh it, gosh. It's, so, it's got wagon wheels on it. It's got like silver wagon wheels. So it rolls. So like it would just smash. Oh, shit. Like, oh, they're like, we can't have this. Yeah, that's so, probably not the best idea. Yeah. Yeah. That thing's been in three apartments now. Now a house. Um, is that it? Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for coming on the show, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Any, that was really fun. Yeah. And yeah. you were you were you were dynamic and, and wonderful as always. Anything you want to plug? While uh, you're on the show? My book, My Life as a Goddess, is available wherever books are sold. Uh, and and uh, even though it came out, I still conceal, conceive of it as a failure in so many ways. No. Um, but uh, also, I will be in Boston at Laughs Boston, uh, December twentieth to the twenty second. Please come and see me. Go see uh, Guy Boston. That's that club is amazing. By I've the way, I've never been. It's like one of those things. You're like they don't they make them this nice and clean oh. and regulate them this well. Uh, so the phone number, if you want to get any uh, dipshit advice, is three two three seven six three zero two two eight. On uh, Patreon, we are at Advice from a Dipshit. Uh, keep them coming. We're trying to get on Spotify. We are at Advice from a Dipshit on Facebook, at Dipshit Advice on Twitter. Theme song is by Ben Wise. Uh, subscribe, write a fun review, tell your friends, and uh, see me on my Please Hold Me tour. Just go to mattbronger.com and see if I'm coming to you. And uh, look, keep up the dipshittery, but learn from it. Thanks, guys. Advice from a Dipshit. Advice from a dipshit Advice from a dipshit It's advice from a dipshit With Matt Fronger